everyone this is andrew Murata, and welcome to education leadership and beyond show number four glad to be with you this morning and again welcome to my new radio show excited to be here we let in with john denver there rocky mountain high i'm excited i'm uh, gonna take an rv trip with my family heading out west this summer and uh Currently, as the show is airing, I will be in Colorado with my family, so that's why we started uh, with that show. I am here with my producer and main man, Gavin Burt. Good morning, Gavin. How are you? Good. Uh, doing well. Gavin, what do you got planned for this summer? What's going on? Work. You're, uh, you're working. You're here in the studio. Yep. Um, I've already taken my vacation for the summer to the Adirondacks, and pretty much I just spend time alone at a bed and breakfast. I do some hiking, uh, some shooting. I uh, own some guns, and um, are you just, shooting at like people or like? Uh, you know, okay, who? Just, you, what are you shooting at? Uh, target practice. Okay. Um, there's a trail I go down where there's some um, piles of dirt, and um, you know I might put up a coffee cup, a used coffee cup to shoot at. It's nothing really. Uh, really high tech or professional it's just and i'm a terrible shot even with a shotgun so well i know your radio skills are really sharp and i appreciate you. you uh taking care of me in the studio here hopefully you'll never take me out back and uh and whack me with one of those shots so oh, uh, no, not at all i don't do that with anyone that's my man gavin uh burt again taking care of me in the studio so we're excited uh, about today's show i do have my college roommate on kevin spainauer we attended guilford college and Kevin uh, is currently the principal at West Stokes High School uh, in King, North Carolina, which is right outside Winston-Salem. And I'm excited to have Kevin on in our next segment. Uh, but Kevin actually gave me the idea for today's uh, concept on educational leadership and beyond. And you are listening today on the radio, on Wall Radio, WDLC and WYNY. Thanks for being with us this morning. Kevin uh, mailed me a book a couple of weeks ago, and of course his name was not on it. I had to do some digging to find out. And the name of the book is called Tools of Titans, and it's authored by Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss has done uh, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts and radio shows. And uh, after going back through his podcast, he wrote this book called Tools of Titans. So there was a story in here that really caught my attention, and I wanted to share it with you on the, on the radio program We've all had things that have gotten under our skin and, and annoyed us and, and bothered us. And, you know, what did we do with that negative situation? Did we let it eat at us? Did we let it just bother us? Did we complain about it? All, all of our friends hearing our problems? Or did we turn that negative into a positive? Did we follow our anger? And that was the story in this Tools of Titans. There's hundreds of stories. Uh, but I picked this one out today to, to have as my educational concept and really life concept that you have to take negative things that happen to you and turn them into a positive. So the story goes, Casey Nasat, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is a, a YouTuber and now has gone on to become a, uh, a writer and director and, and star of the TV show, The Nasat Brothers on HBO. He's won multiple awards and he's uh, done a number of, of short films, uh, but he started out as a YouTuber. So Casey writes uh, in the book here, Follow What Angers You. And again, this is in the book Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. 
And uh, the story goes, Casey got a $50 ticket for riding outside of the bike lane in 2011. And he got a ticket from a police officer. And instead of going to court to fight this $50 summons, he followed his anger and he made a movie that expressed his frustration. He repeated what the cop had told him. He has to stay in the bike lane for safety and legal reasons, no matter what. So Casey put a, a camera on the front of his bike, and he did exactly what the police officer told him. And he stayed in that bike lane, and he proceeded to crash into all kinds of objects, other people, cars, different things, blocking the bike lanes. But he followed what was told to him, and uh, you know he had all these accidents on film. And the, the, the final uh, accident was there was a police car parked in the bike lane, and Casey crashed into that, uh, and to, to make his point, uh, you do have to go out of the bike lane from time to time to avoid uh, accidents and avoid safety things, and it actually got to Mayor Bloomberg. When Casey Nasat uh, put this on YouTube, it got 5 million views in its first day, which really uh, catapulted his career and really got him going in the filmmaking uh, industry. The second thing he did, uh, he had to do a video called Make It Count, and he was hired by Nike. He did two commercials, and the theme was Make It Count, and they had a third one, and Casey writes here in the book, at the ninth hour, uh, this is in their third commercial, I called my editor up and said, hey, let's not make this an advertisement. Instead of, let's do something we've always wanted to do, which is let's just take the money of the entire product production budget and travel the world until we run out of money. And we'll record it. We'll make some sort of movie about it. And his uh, partner agreed, you're crazy, but let's do it. And he made a video called Make It Count. And the video starts with, Nike asked me to make a movie about what it means to make it count. Instead of making their movie, I spent the entire budget traveling around the world with my friend Max. We kept going until the money ran out. It took 10 days, and they covered 15 countries. This became Nike's most watched video on the internet for several years. So I was so impressed by these stories and I, I really enjoyed them. And uh, it was really, I said, I'm going to use that as my concept for this, the show today. Uh, again, follow your anger and turn a negative into a positive. Certainly the Nike commercial wasn't a negative. It was just a, a outrageous thing he did, but it tur he turned it into a positive. So that was one story, but I wanted to share two from my own uh, personal life. The first one uh, was uh, when I started teaching in New York City, and I was observing classes. I was a grad student at Wagner College in Staten Island, New York, and I was observing classes, and boom, the teacher quit. And the, the principal said, you know, would you like the job? And I wasn't even certified. Boom, I got fingerprinted the next day, and, and I was in the classroom. And it was a rough school. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the name of the school out, but it was a rough school. And I was looking, oh, my God, what am I going to do here? I'm, I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. And it was a rough situation for me, and I, I felt sorry for myself. And what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? But I, I pushed through. And looking back so many years later, that was almost 20 years ago, um, what a great experience. I, I jumped in the pool and I learned how to swim. I got my butt kicked. I got cursed at. I got things thrown at me. But I learned how to teach. And little did I know I was going through a, a, a rough situation. But it made, it made me a better teacher and a better person. So turning that negative uh, into a positive. That was one story. And then the other one uh, was when I, I went to Guilford College. And again, I'm going gonna to talk Guilford College with my, my college roommate and teammate, Kevin Spanauer. We're on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. This is show number four. Uh, so the third story about turning a negative into a positive. Uh, here I go to Guilford College. I played basketball at Zavarian High School in Brooklyn, New York. And that's a great program and a great school for academics and athletics. And uh, But I thought I was better. And I was disappointed when I got to Guilford. I, I, I thought I could play at a higher level. I wanted to least played Division Two, if not Division Three, uh, Division One, excuse me, and I was I wound up at Guilford, and I was a little disappointed when I got there. Little did I know that basketball was great, and it became one of the best experiences of my life. I, I dove into the basketball, and 
made some of the greatest friends. I had a great experience at, at Guilford. But when I got there, I was disappointed and I had a, a negative attitude about being there because I wanted to be at a, at, a, at a bigger place. But another one of my philosophies, make the big time where you are. And that certainly happened uh, at Guilford and, and I loved it. So those are, are three stories about turning a negative into a positive and, and following your anger. You could you could overreact with situations. You could complain. Casey Neistat could have just went and paid that fine and complained to everyone who would listen to him. But instead, he made a witty movie, took an idea and ran with it and got 5 million views in your first day. And that's uh, the short film Bike Lanes, and that was recorded in 2011 by Casey Neistat. That's a story in... Uh, Tools of Titans, written by Tim Ferriss. And uh, this was a book given to me by Kevin Spanauer. And uh, I thank him for that. And uh, we're going to hear Kevin uh, in our next segment. One last story uh, about my friend Kevin. And uh, you know what, um, Gavin, I think we're going to save that story for uh, when we introduce Kevin. So uh, let's take a break. This is Andrew Murata, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. This is show number four. And uh, I'd like you to follow me on Twitter, Andrew Murata 21 at Andrew Murata 21 And uh, email us at the show, Andrew at NeverSyncMediaGroup.com. We'll be right back with Kevin Spanauer, principal at West Stokes West High School. Thank you. Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees. Younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home to the place I belong. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. Country What do y'all have to drink? If you find me sleeping in the shade near, we promise to bring me out the sweetness. All my plans are Welcome back, everybody. This is Andrew Murata, and this is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, show number four. And that was a cue-in song from my man, college roommate, and one of the best friends I have in my life, Kevin Spanauer. Kevin, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Great to be here today. Kevin is the principal at West Oaks High School in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, we met one another down at Guilford College. Back in the 90s, uh, played basketball together, and Kevin, you introduced me to Sweet Tea, and you introduced me to country music, and you certainly introduced me to that song. That's all good things right there. That makes the world go round. Good country music and good Sweet Tea. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, ended the last segment. I was going to tell a story, but I wanted you to be part of the story, and uh, I remember the first time I pulled up to your house, we had the white Chevy Beretta. I was looking at all the land and the space around. Uh, again, growing up in Staten Island, I'd never seen space like that. And we pulled up to your house. You turned the 
ignition off and you start to get out of the car. I said, hey, Kevin, the key's in the ignition. And, and you looked back at me and said, yeah. And I said, well, why, why would you leave the key in the ignition? And you looked back at me and, and do you remember what you said? I think I said something like, why wouldn't I? And, and that, that was one of the biggest paradigm shifts I've ever had in my life. And I said to myself right there at, at 18, 19 years old that I want to live in a place like that. And I do up here now in Northeast Pennsylvania in Orange County, New York. And uh, again, that was one of the many ways that you've helped and, and changed my life. And Kevin, now you're a, you're a father and you're a coach. You're a high school principal. You're a son, a husband, and, and most importantly, you're a leader. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Kevin, and a little bit about your philosophy and in all of those roles, you got so many roles and so many things you're doing. Tell, tell us a little bit about your, your leadership philosophy and, and some of the things in your life. Sure, Andrew. Well, first, thanks for letting me uh, come, on this, uh, come on your show. I'm really excited for you, uh, really excited for what your, uh, your vision and mission is up there in, in Orange County and, and with Port Jervis High School. You're doing a lot of great things. So thank you so much for letting me come. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a... I'm a good Southern boy. I was born and raised in Winston-Salem area here in North Carolina, and um, I uh, I knew early on that I had a, a unique ability to lead people. Uh, athletics played a, a an initial role into that uh, as I grew up playing athletics, went on to play college basketball and things. But uh, beyond just athletics, I just always was around um, in, in school and around people through through church and community, um, and, and I was just always in a role in which I seemed to be the one that people turned to for decisions. Uh, don't don't really know why that was the way it was, but I gained, I became very accustomed to being a decision maker, um, and and I got to have the experience of watching my father. Uh, who ran his own grading company in construction. Uh, I, I watched him make a lot of decisions uh, that were vital for his business, but also for our family. And then I got into school and into being a teacher and going into leadership and in, in education, probably a lot through my mom, who was a kindergarten teacher. And so uh, I spent my elementary years getting to school before all the other students did because I was riding to school with a teacher. And then I also had the after school experience where I was staying after school with a teacher and all the students were gone and and I was helped putting up bulletin boards and I was helping around the classroom from a very young age so um you know I, I attribute a lot of who I am obviously with uh the family in which I was raised uh, I'm very grateful for that very blessed for that and your parents are special people in my life too uh, not only did you welcome me into your life and your home your parents I used to go there in college without you sometimes. I, you know, your parents were so warm and friendly. And your mom has a unique nickname. Uh, Mrs. Spanauer certainly is very formal. But what did you grow up calling your mom, and how did that happen? My mom is 78 years old currently, and she still introduces herself <laughs> to other people as chubby. Um, it originated, I have three older siblings. I'm the youngest of four. Uh, and my older siblings, um, when they were in college going through, um, for whatever reason, started coining her uh, Chubby. So she is Chubby Spainauer, and she adopted that term of endearment. Um, and really in today's society with America, she's really not that Chubby anymore. Uh, but she's, she's, she's on the taken that on, name. On the deflux. She is on the deflux, <laughs> yeah. She has taken that name and run with it. I mean, we... Uh, you know, my mom is somebody that I've never I've never met anybody that had a curse word against her. I've never met anyone that said, "Oh, you're Diane Spain Hours' uh, son," or "You're you're Chubby Spain." Uh, she, you know, everybody always has something nice to say about my mother, um, and she is a young at heart. She, like I said, she's 78 years old. This past year at one of our high school basketball games, quick story about my mom. Um, we won the game over the PA system. Our high school uh, won the game, and I'm there as the principal serving as an administrative role. My brother, who I think we'll probably talk about a little later, uh, my oldest brother, he's the coach of our high school team. 
my mom's in the stands. She comes to all the games, and after we win the game over the PA, the the song celebration is coming on. You know that old song that you get stuck in your head and you can't leave it. Uh, and so here it is, the celebration song. Our student section kind of spills out onto the court, and they make a little dance circle. And so you know these juniors and seniors in high school are are celebrating on the court after a big victory. And I turn around as principal of the high school, and I see my 78-year-old mother in the middle of the high school student section dance circle dancing. All the kids get out their cell phones and their Snapchats and their Instagrams, and they're videoing my mom dancing after a basketball game. She just has a great spirit about her um, that is, you know, again, very, very blessed to have her a part of my life. But, yeah, that that's the latest chubby story is she was dancing, and the next day at school it was all the rage. Mr. Spainauer's mom was all over Snapchat and Instagram dancing after the game. So, Well, let's get that posted up here on uh, our website, neversinkmedia.com, and we'll, we'll get that posted. Kevin, you spoke about your parents a little bit, and, and I was lucky enough to have my father-in-law on uh, for our Father's Day show. I said the same thing about him, that no one's ever uttered a, an ill word about him. Tell me about the, the gifts they've given you, the virtues they've given you. And now that you're, you're your own father now, you're a principal. I mean, you are a leader in so many senses of the word. What's your style, Kevin? You, you deal with conflict. You deal with problems. You know, we're in different societies in different parts of the country, but we deal with a lot of things. And I've always, admi- I always admired your style, the way you handled yourself. Tell, tell, what's your leadership style? Well, uh, well, we'll say first we'll go back to the question on, on the virtues and the lessons from my parents because obviously uh, how we were both raised uh, and, and, and your upbringing play an important part in how you're going to lead. Um, as I told you, my father, um, mother was in education. Father, was, father spent one day in the ninth grade. He went to um, high school, literally sat in the desk for one day, and he had spent the entire summer leading up to his high school years on a bulldozer moving dirt. And he sat in high school for one day, uh, walked up to his teacher and said, I I don't think I'm coming back tomorrow. So he he was a high school dropout. He worked 43 years in the construction and grading business. Um, I I got a real sense of work ethic, and from him and patience, he ended up. He was a risk taker. He ended up uh, owning his own business uh, and spent 15 years, the last 15 years of his career, owning his own business and running his own business. Um, and so I got to see the fact that he wasn't willing to just stay in his comfort zone, but he was willing to take risk. Uh, and I think that's a big part of what the reason I'm sitting in leadership uh, as in school administration now as a teacher and coach for the first 13 years of my career. Um, I enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed making connections with students. But there was a part of me that started asking myself in education, um, is this it? Is this all I'm going to do is, is just is teach and coach? And there's nothing wrong with that aspect of what we're doing. But I looked to my father and, and looked at the risk and the things that he did to stretch himself beyond his comfort zone and knew that I could maybe give more and do more. And uh, so from a leadership perspective, Andrew, I really, uh, this is my fifth year as principal at West Oaks High School, and I try to, you know, I try to instill a sense of trust with the people that I lead. Um, I don't ever want to ask them something that I'm unwilling to do myself. And and so if it's, uh, if I'm talking to our custodial staff and janitorial staff, um, then they're going to know that when I walk down the hallway and see a, a bag of chips on the floor that their principal and their leader is going to bend over and pick up those those bag of chips. I'm not going to let trash sit, and I don't expect them to do it either. Uh, so I really try to lead by example. I try to, to instill a, a sense of trust uh, with my employees and with the people that we lead, and then to build relationships, to get to know not just the adults in my building, but all obviously the students, to get to know their stories. Um, until you connect with people on a real personal level, in my opinion, you can't really lead them. So getting to know what their kids are doing, if they're employees, getting to know what you know my, my math teachers 
parents are doing, where my math teacher is going to vacation this summer, and what they're doing and with their lives and, and the, the trials outside of this building and outside of work. It's important for me to know those things, uh, and that takes building relationships. So it takes some time. Well, and again, this is Kevin Spanauer, principal at West Stokes High School, and one of the best relationships I have in my life. Uh, you've become like family, uh, Kevin, so we're, we're thrilled to have you on. Kevin, we are up against a break. We're going to head out, and uh, certainly we have some stories and uh, some, some more things to talk about when we come back. This is Education Leadership and Beyond with Kevin Spanauer, Principal, West Oaks, and High, West Oaks High School. We'll be right back. And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond with Andrew Murata. I am the principal at Port Jervis High School up in Orange County, New York. Thank you so much for all our listeners uh, getting involved with the program. This is our show number four, and um, you can hit me up on Twitter, at AndrewMurata21, and also you can email into the show, Andrew at com. For all of those listeners, I'm sure you knew what that song was. That was The Piano Man, New York State of Mind, one of uh, my favorite songs, along with my buddy. He's on the show today, Kevin Spanauer. Uh, he's down in North Carolina. He's the principal at West Stokes High School. And, Kevin, I played that song. You and I certainly have a, a lot of experience in, in New York City. You're a country boy from North Carolina, and uh, you, you had a little love affair with, with New York, don't you? Absolutely, uh, and that's for you. That's and I'm to thank you for that. Uh, you know, one of the things friendships, one of the things friendships provide, and our friendship has provided me through the years, uh, is an opportunity to get myself out of the southern um, mentality and to put myself, dump myself into Times Square, or put myself on a New York subway or um, public transportation trying to get across the Verrazano. Um, and and that's that's expanded who I am, and I, I have a lot a lot of gratitude for you and your family uh, for allowing me to come up and and spend some quality time uh, in Staten Island and in New York um, throughout the years. So very very grateful for. I love New York City. We have some stories we can tell on air, and and, and some we can off air, and we certainly uh, enjoy uh, adding lyrics to that song. But one of the stories, uh, I mean, you have a, a beautiful family. Your your wife uh, Laura, who you met at Guilford, she's an All American basketball player and a, and a great teacher now, and I know she's a great mom to your children, Hannah, uh, Bree, Peyton, and Will, and and. Kevin, you, you made a quick decision. You talked early in the show about making decisions. You and your wife, Laura, made a quick decision to come up to New York City, and uh, you had some interesting luggage uh, when, when you came. Tell, yeah, what, what made you do that? And tell, tell our listeners what that story was. Well, we uh, it was Labor Day weekend, I believe. It's um, four children, um, all under the age of, I believe, nine. Uh, nine was the oldest. 
and um, we're sitting around the kitchen table. A lot of decisions in our house get made at the kitchen table. Um, a lot of milkshake, so a lot of milkshakes drank at the kitchen table, also. <laughs> that's right. That's yes, right. Yes. A lot of uh, sweet tea drank at the kitchen table. <laughs> so we're sitting around the kitchen table, uh, gotten home from work on Friday, and Laura, who is a school teacher as well, we're sitting there. We know we've got Labor Day off on Monday, and we had not really had any plans, and we're sitting there looking and talking about maybe we should try to go to the beach. You know, the great thing about North Carolina, you got beach on one side, you got mountains on the other side of where we live both within around uh, three hours away. So um, we were trying to just talking about where we could go, what we could do. And I looked at her and I said, what if we were to just drive to New York? And lo and behold, we started talking about it at 4.30. I picked up the phone and called you. Um, then I called your mother. Uh, at the time, of course, you're still you're living in Milford and living in uh and asked what you were going to do, knowing that your family typically got together on Labor Day. I was given a shot that maybe the Spain hours would be welcome. Talked to your mom. She invited us up. And from 4.30, when the decision was made to drive to New York, my wife um, packed two laundry baskets, got four kids in one laundry basket and their clothes for the weekend, and then got her clothes and my clothes in the other laundry basket, and by 5 o'clock, we were driving out of our driveway to come to New York. We arrived at New York at 3 a.m. that evening uh, or that morning, and we were in the city by 10 o'clock the next day. So uh, we arrived at 3 a.m. on, a, I guess, early Saturday morning, and we were in Times Square by 10 a.m. Uh, on Saturday morning. So it's still a it is still a trip that our kids talk about, Andrew. I mean, they, they will still bring up – you would think that – that a six-year-old boy is not going to necessarily remember much. But when you do something that spontaneous in life, uh, it creates a memory that is not going to go away. And I like to live our life that way, you know? Well, and, uh, you know, in no means are you reckless and you're making crazy decisions, but that is a great story. My children still talk about it. And, again, we're up here in Orange County, New York, and if you if you ever been down to Winston-Salem and uh, on the outskirts, uh, Kevin actually grew up on Spainauer Road. And if you've been listening, yes, that's Kevin's last name. Um, there might not have been a traffic light in the town when you grew up, but I know there was one when I was there. And it is the definition of John Cougar Mellencamp's small town. And uh, I love the fact that you, uh, that you <laughs> love New York City. Kevin, I want to shift gears to, to school a little bit. You know, I'm hoping you're going to come back here again to, to, to New York. Uh, I was so happy and proud to bring our National Honor Society down there this spring uh, from Port Jervis High School. You and I connected. We talked in college about running a North Carolina-New York basketball camp, and that never came to be, but it might one day. But we did get together with our National Honor Societies, and that was a thrill for our students to come down there. You guys did such a great job hosting. Uh, I hope you're going to be able to come back and, and tell us about uh, that opportunity that you might have for your students and your school coming up here to Orange County, New York, and then eventually to New York City with your school. Absolutely, yeah. It was we had a great it was a great march, uh, a great great opportunity for our kids to play host and to uh, welcome um, your students down and and doing things to me, Andrew, uh, and you and I know. You and I both share the same philosophy, man, but doing things that are going to create those memories for kids outside of just sitting in a desk and and, and having the teacher, uh, you know, spend 90 minutes teaching or 45 minutes teaching the content, but, but doing things that are going to get them um, interacting on a different way. And it was so neat to see how our kids um, embraced one another and the New North Carolina and New York students uh, still to this day are are communicating through social media and, and whatnot, but uh, in that w- long weekend that we had, it was really neat to see how quickly they embraced one another. Uh, and you know, the, the language uh, we might all be speaking English, um, but the language of the South and the language of the North is quite different. Um, but it was neat to see how the how our students was able to just quickly bond together and then able to get together to do some service projects in our community that several of our um, organizations that we helped out on that Saturday that your students were a part of, um, they 
you know, they commented back to us, wrote us thank you notes and, and whatnot of how impressed they were with the work that was done and the serve, serving of our community. But we absolutely are making plans to come up to you, hopefully uh, late March, early April, uh, to visit Port Jervis next year. And I think we'll have a good a good number of our students that are looking for that opportunity. Much like what you told me with Port Jervis students and Orange County kids, uh, we have kids that that don't have the good fortune of venturing out too much. Uh, we have students that haven't ever left the state of North Carolina. And so to be able to take them to visit you, to, to shadow your students during a school day, to uh, walk the halls of Port Jervis, and then also to spend a day possibly going into New York City, um, that will be a life moment for them. So we're excited about that opportunity next year. And we'll have to have you in the studio, uh, maybe with a couple students here, talking education, talking New York, and uh, maybe we'll play a little uh, language bingo uh, between the South and the North here to see if uh, we can figure each other out. Barbecue down here is a noun, not a verb. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, you know, we eat barbecue. We don't go barbecuing. Uh, so it's it's a it's a noun down here. Every once in a while, you like to barbecue the same thing too. I know that. That's yeah. We we call that a double grill out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, that story we'll goes grill. way back. Hey, Kevin, another thing I wanted to touch on, and certainly I wanted to get to your family and and all. Uh, you know, I love your family. They're, they're, they're they've adopted me, uh, but you and I spent a lot of time together uh, in the gym at Guilford College, again playing basketball from '93 to '97. And uh, you certainly were a standout player. You were the starting point guard for three and a half years. And, uh, um, you know, I have so many stories and fond memories of that, even though my behind was on the bench a lot watching you play. But, Kevin, tell me some of the, you know, great memories you have playing hoops at Guilford. And how have you taken uh, those memories and those life lessons on the court? And how do you use them today? And what are some of those things that still stay with you today? We're almost – we're twenty-something years uh, out, uh, and uh, you know, tell me about the, those hoops and those We're times too. Getting old, together. Andrew. <laughs> getting old. We're getting old, Andrew. Uh, you know, the great thing about sports, and I'm a sports guy, I always have been. Um, but the great thing about sports, in my experience at, at Guilford and, and playing collegiately, anytime you can be a part of a team in which you are a part of something bigger than yourself, um, then good things are going to come of that. And so much of, of what's happening, I think, now with sports, and that's a whole other conversation with youth sports, but so much of what's happening in high school sports now is, is we're, not, we're not really teaching uh, life principles and we're not really teaching the, the things that high school sports is supposed to, is supposed to really give you. Um, but playing high school and then going on to, colli- uh, going on to college and playing collegiately, uh, being part of something bigger than yourself, uh, being able to establish goals and then the the work ethic and effort that it takes to reach those goals those are all things that carry well beyond athletics and, and for me that's a big part of of who I am and how I lead and how I work and and even how I parent um, I gain from lessons learned on a basketball court and uh, Laura and I both were athletes my wife and um, we, we, we use the term intentional parenting a lot. You gotta, you gotta parent these days on purpose. And, uh, sometimes parents feel like, well, I've, you know, I've got good kids. I'm raising them the right way or, or whatever. And, and then lo and behold, they get to their, their teenage years and they, and they get out of control. Um, we, we really, I mean, we sit down and, and we talk about decisions that we need to make with our kids and in the direction that we want to do and go with our children, um, and we do that as a team. Um, mom and dad sit down, and we have those discussions. And then we'll we'll pose things to individuals and treat every kid differently, um, just like you would in a team. You know, just like you would as a coach. And uh, that was you know that was the special things that I got from from athletics and sports. And and then of course the friendships. You know, I mean, you and I had we not played together at Guilford College, then we wouldn't be talking uh, on the radio today. So uh, the special friendships that are gained when, when you're willing to, to work hard together for a common goal and you're willing to give up yourself for the good of others. And, um, you know, that's, that to me is, is what life's about. You know, I'm, I'm surprised we're still friends from all the beatdowns of the card games you gave me on the bus uh, between me, you, Chris, and uh, Wooten. I took a beating in those card games, you know. 
Yeah, we cheated like crazy. We just never told you. You know, <laughs> you met, talked about your parents before. Your parents, I think it was it was two. It might have been one, but your parents went to every game. And yeah, I, my parents didn't miss a game. You are correct. And it was one, and your mom used to bring those treats to us, those little peanut butter oatmeal treats. And I just, again, your your family is such a special uh, thing. Kevin, I, we have a couple more questions, and, and if it's okay with you, I'd like you to join us in our last uh, segment where it's a – you know, a, a call-in or a write-in segment, and uh, we're going to, since you're a high school principal as well, we're going to ask you a, an educational question for our last segment. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned about coaching and your family, and um, but you coached many years before becoming a principal. Was that a, was that a hard transition for you, stepping away from the court? I mean, because you were a great player. You were a great coach. You learned from your brother. Uh, your brother's coaching at your high school now, so you're technically your older brother's boss but he was your mentor coming up. Do you do, do you miss the coaching? And, and um, you know, how do you take, again, you talked about your father and, and, and playing sports. How, you know, do you, are you still coaching now? Are you coaching other teachers? What? Tell me about that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, coaching's in our blood, in, in my blood, Andrew. And so on a Friday night when our gym is packed and I'm going to, to watch uh, our high school play, um, there's absolutely times where, I think that environment, you know, that rival game, the the thrill of walking into a locker room after you've accomplished your goal and sharing that with the young people and, and making that real direct impact on, on 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, I miss that part of it. Um, what I'm doing now um, is coaching a more wide variety and diverse people. Uh, I'm coaching not just those that – that make a basketball team. And so, yeah, I was a coach for 13 years, varsity coach for 13 years before coming into administration five years ago. What I'm doing now, I see as coaching. I'm trying to put a team together of teachers, uh, of a staff, that we can all get on the boat together uh, and then start paddling all in the same direction. And teams fall short when not everybody's willing to get on the boat. And, um, and then if you do get them on the boat, some people paddle in one direction and some people paddle the other. The challenge of a principal, in my opinion, is trying to get everybody, the right people on the boat and getting those ones that don't want to get on out of your building. And then once you get them on the boat, get everybody paddling in the right direction. And so I'm coaching that way. I'm building a team that way. And then the uh, the repercussions of it, the, the fruits of our labor are watching what we watched last Saturday here at West Oaks, which was 202 graduates walk across the stage with a diploma. And so instead of the scoreboard, that becomes my scoreboard. And uh, so I still have that competitiveness. Of course, you know, I've got four children, two girls, two boys. They're all involved in athletics, and uh, I am I am involved in coaching my children. Of course, that's much different than being on a high school sideline. So, um, but... I, I still get the opportunity because my brother is the coach here at the high school. Um, I still get a very good opportunity to step into a locker room or step into practice and uh, and hang out with him and, and, and watch how he develops his team and, and kind of get that fraternity of coaches and um, still have that very much here with, uh, with him being the high school coach at, at West Oaks. So that's a really cool and unique story. Kevin, we're uh, we're up against another break, and uh, your brother's got that. You know, your mom, you call chubby, and, and she's not that heavy anymore. And your brother, you call tiny, and your brother's about six five, maybe six six. So uh, I don't know what those nicknames down there. But we got to take a break. This is education, leadership, and beyond with my guest and my great friend Kevin Spanauer, principal at West Oaks High School. We will be right back. Tease.
when we fought some We won some and we lost some We were awful, we were awesome And when we coach We worked hard and we were lazy We were heroes, we were babies Made you proud and drove you crazy Didn't we coach? All those models, all those reasons, all those rhymes They stay priceless, they come right back, right on time You are a teacher, preacher, mother, father A lot less ticker than given A keeper of secrets and constantly making believers out of quitters For all your time and your heart and your soul Kev Yes, sir. Yo, bro. So I didn't come. Righty. And uh, yeah, Gav, if you listen to the song, I don't know how it starts, um, but if it has a long intro, cut, you know, cut back the. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's about 10 seconds. There's the marks on the pantry door of that little house Where mama used to measure And welcome back everyone. This is Education, Leadership and Beyond with Andrew Murata. I am the principal at Port Jervis High School. So happy you could join us on this Saturday morning. That was Kenny Chesney's Where I Grew Up and I fell in love with our guest today. Not in love with him, but where he grew up. And uh, that's Kevin Spanauer. He's the principal at West Stokes High School. He grew up in King, North Carolina. Kevin, that's a, a special place, and it's interesting how we both really liked where each other grew up, and uh, that's one of the things that's brought us together as friends. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kevin, we're, normally this is a, a write-in portion where I get a, uh, a question emailed in. And, again, please email questions or comments to me at Andrew at com or hit me up on Twitter, at AndrewMarada21. Kevin, so as principal in your building, my, my question for you today, and it's a lot of what people ask, what does good teaching look like to you? What, what do you want to see when you walk in a classroom for an observation, Kevin? Uh, I say three things. They're, uh, good teachers are prepared, they reflect and adjust, and then they relate. And so... Um, Good teaching at West Oaks High School, good teaching at Port Jervis High School. You walk into a classroom. I could walk into one of your classrooms tomorrow and not know a teacher at all, but I'm going to know if they're prepared or not. Uh, I'm going to know if they've prepared their lesson, if they're prepared to, they know the content, they know what they're doing, they've got the labs ready to go, if it's a science class, whatnot. I know if they're prepared. If you're not prepared, you can't fool the students. The students know if you're not prepared. So you have to be prepared as a teacher. Then you've got to reflect and make adjustments because every lesson doesn't go perfectly. Even though you might prepare for something, uh, you get thrown a curveball. And so being able to reflect on how you, you're doing things in the classroom is vitally important as a teacher. And then possibly the most important piece to me uh, as an administrator in a high school is you have to be able to relate to the students. You've got to build those relationships. You've got to know know your students, and they will then respect you in a way that goes well beyond the classroom. Uh, and you know, the old there's there's truth in the old adage: nobody knows what you uh, nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. Uh, and so there's there's truth to that. It's cliche, but there's a reason things become cliche. Uh, so that would be what we think of, what we we think of good teaching, good learning in a classroom. There are those three things: prepare, reflect, and relate. Kevin, you are the man. I appreciate you being on. We got to give a shout out to our Guilford boys uh, with you on here. We we call you the Shep because you're the leader of our our flock there with our group, and I, I know our boys are listening. 
And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Kevin. I love you. You're one of my my best friends, and uh, I really appreciate you being on. Andrew, you're doing great big things up there in Orange County and in Port Jervis. So uh, I'm excited to see what's next for for your school and for you. Uh, So thankful for the opportunity to come talk to you today. Great. And what's next for me, Kevin? We're going to end the show on our quote. Uh, Again, in college, that's something I saw you do, those book of quotes. So my quote today, you are not judged on the number of times you fail. You are judged on the number of times you succeed. Go out and change the world for the better, everyone. This is Andrew Murata, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Send in those emails, andrew at com, and on Twitter, at Andrew Murata, uh, Andrew Murata 21. Have a great morning, everyone. Take care. Might say he found the key for every door When he first came to the mountains His life was far away On the road hanging by song But the string's already broken And he doesn't really care He keeps changing fast And it don't last for long You there, Kev? Yes, sir. Yo, bro.